Welcome back to another Two Guys, One Topic expert interview. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And as our listeners will know, this week our topic was the Nobel Prize. And Liam, we needed to find ourselves a topic expert, didn't we? Yes, we did, Ollie. And we might have said this before, but this might be the best possible topic expert interview we've had. So the guy you're about to listen to an interview from is a Swedish scientist. He's a molecular biologist and he was a medical researcher. He's the vice president of the European Research Council and in 2013 was made chairman of the board for the Nobel Foundation. So this is a fantastic interview that hopefully everybody's going to love. It is with Carl Henrik Heldin. Okay, Kala, thank you very much for joining us on the Two Guys, One Topic podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, as, as our listeners will know, we, we were learning and researching about the Nobel Prize this week, and um, I'm not sure we could have found a better topic expert than yourself. So hopefully you'll be able to um, answer some of the questions we've got left over after our research. We always start with with every interview with our expert. We always like just want to know maybe a little bit about your background. How is it that you ended up as chairman of the Nobel Foundation? Like, well, I uh, made my PhD thesis at Uppsala University, 1980. In the topic was cancer research, and I have continued on that path ever since. And uh, a little bit more than eight years ago, I was asked whether I would like to be the chair of the Nobel, of the board of the Nobel Foundation. And uh, I consider this as an interesting uh, uh, duty and I uh, uh, accept it with uh, joy and honor. Absolutely. It, it must be a, yeah, a real honor to, to hold that role. Um, were you yeah. already involved or working with the, the Nobel Foundation prior to you becoming chairman? No, not really. So since my overall field is medicine, and the medicine prize, to be correct, the prize in physiology or medicine is handled by the Karolinska Institute. And I have have never worked at the Karolinska Institute. I've always been in Uppsala. So I have not really been part of that. Uh, So I've been outside the uh, committee work for the Nobel Prizes all my life. Okay. Oh, fantastic. One of the things that when we were looking into the the topic of the Nobel Prize this week, which took us by surprise a bit, was just the origins of it and how Alfred Nobel had stipulated in his will and last testament what he would like to happen with with his fortune. Um, Do you remember when you first found out the story of the origins of the the Nobel Prize? Or is it something that you've just always known? Well, this is very much part of Swedish history. Okay. Uh, so I learned about it pretty early. Uh, Alfred Nobel wrote several wills, but the last one, and which is the one which we have to uh, adhere to now, is was written in 1895. And this is where he uh, gives most of his fortune to uh, five prizes in different areas, which he identified. And he also identified which uh, should be responsible for selecting the awardees. And overall, he uh, made very clear in his will that he wanted to promote those who have made the greatest benefit to humankind. Yes. 
Yeah, we we were reading about how specific he had really thought it through, hadn't he? Yes, yes. A lot of it, it um, there, were, there were quite a lot of yeah things that he stipulated, as you say, the organisations who would then give the prize and what have you. Very much so. And it is remarkable that he already in 1895 formulated the uh, areas which are still relevant uh, 125 years later. Of course, there is a lot of discussions whether Nobel Prizes should not be installed in other areas that are very relevant for us today. And this is not possible. Alfred Nobel stipulated the, the five prizes in his will, and that is what we have to uh, acknowledge and uh, guard and adhere to. There is, of course, room for prizes in other areas, but this is for others to uh, accomplish. Ah, okay. You've obviously got a scientific background. Um, oh yeah. How prestigious is the Nobel Prize? Um, are we? To- is it like every scientist wants to win this? Are we talking like the Oscars of science? Is is it like right <laughs> up there? In a way, yes. It's like the Oscars in science. I can also compare it with sports events. This is World Championship. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And are there are there any of the, the five prizes that are viewed as being more prestigious than any of the others? Is there one in particular that, that people would like to have more than others? I wouldn't say so. No, no. I mean, I'm a scientist. And of course, before, uh, I was most interested in the science prizes in chemistry, physics, and uh, physiology or medicine. And I thought that was the most important prizes. But since I became the chair of the board, I have uh, learned that the overall uh, interest in the uh, community is even higher for the Literature Prize and in particular for the Peace Prize. Okay. So I don't think there is one prize that is more important than others. I think the variety of prizes and the, 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 the breadth they represent is a strength for the whole uh, Nobel Prize uh, idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's just interesting you said a minute ago about people thinking about other awards that could be in there. So would that be along the lines of technology or engineering or is, it, is that that people are trying to argue to have included? Absolutely. That would be possibilities. And what is very often coming up in the discussion is prices for climate and also yeah. for mathematics. Okay. which is absent from from, from the, uh, the Nobel Prizes. But there are other prizes that cover those areas. Liam, you're a maths teacher. That's a shame you won't be able to submit any of your maths theses to, to win. Mate, some of the children I teach are cleverer than me. They'll be doing their own theses. <laughs> <laughs> we were quite intrigued by the whole nomination process and how it takes as long as it does. We, we sort of wondered if you could explain how are the nominations whittled down? I, I know you're not actually allowed to talk about, you know, the individual people, but is it, I mean, it must be a really long process of deliberation and like elimination. Yeah. Well, I can tell you a little bit about the procedure the committee members use in order to select the awardees. So the <clears throat> work to nominate or to... Um, uh, identify next year's Nobel laureates has already started. Okay. Oh, wow. So a, a number of invitations has been sent out for to various persons al- around the world in the order of um, 
5,000 per prize. Okay. Wow. And uh, they are then invited to nominate persons. Um, the deadline is February 1. And then after that has passed, the committees go through the nominations and they narrow down the uh, various proposals more and more uh, through several meetings during the spring. <clears throat> they arrive at a short list in the end of the spring and then they send out top candidates for uh, review by an international experts. And then they collect the answers in the end of the summer and they have some final meetings. And then in the early October, the uh, uh, prices are announced. Yes. And, and the procedure for the announcement differs a little bit for the different prices. So for instance, the, the physics and the chemistry, and also another price which has been uh, uh, <coughs> established by the Swedish Central Bank, the uh, uh, price in economy in the honor of Alfred Nobel is also handled by the Swedish, uh, the Royal Academy of Science in Sweden. And that is then presented to the whole uh, academy and they are making the formal decision. And immediately after that has happened, um, the uh, secretary of the academy phones to the awardees and then there is a press conference. And there is a similar format for the other prizes. Uh, and the announcement is then uh, one prize per day, starting uh, with uh, medicine or physiology, the second, normally the second Monday in October, followed then by physics, chemistry, literature piece and the following Monday then uh, economy okay so when when the um you said you send out you know thousands of invites for people to um nominate somebody to win the prize who gets those invites are they academics are they typically other people in those areas who who sort of follow the latest science yes so they are sent around to professors in the relevant subjects in the Scandinavian countries uh, that normally get the invitation every year. But in addition, a number of people around the world who are in the, very, the relative areas also get nominations and not the same people every year, but it varies so that the, the, committee can collect, the committees can collect nominations from a wide uh, area of um, uh, society. Okay. If you win a Nobel Prize, if you're a Nobel Prize laureate, do you automatically get on the list to then nominate other people? They can nominate, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But will they get invited? If you win one year, are you then on the list to invite other people for life? Not sure they are invited every year, but they are certainly invited. Okay. And just on that, talking about how how the nominations go and, and who's who's involved in it, are there ever quite passionate debates about who should be awarded a, a laureate or is it sometimes very obvious in one of the fields <laughs> who the winner should be? Well, uh, I, let me uh, stress that the uh, various committees, and there is one for each prize, Yes, they work completely independently and under strict secrecy. And it would be impertinent even to ask about their discussions. So I've never okay. done that. I've never done that. Yeah, but uh, I understand that they uh, do their work very carefully and that they have lively discussions with a lot of arguments for or against 
in the process. So <laughs> it is really uh, a well-founded decision in the end. Yep, understood. And as the chair, you don't actually get involved in the voting of who the winner is yourself. You're not actually part of that process. That's that's these committees that are sort of separate. They're the ones doing the voting and the deciding. Well, I, 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 <clears throat> I'm the chair of the board and the board doesn't have anything to do with the selection of uh, laureates. But I am also a member of the <clears throat> Academy of Sciences. Okay. So formally, I could take part in the voting for the chemistry, physics, and uh, economy prizes. And I've done that a few times, not every year. Okay. But I suppose in your role now, you're, you're not allowed to do that. Is that right? I haven't done it since I became chair. Yeah, that makes sense. So wh- one of the things, and you sort of alluded to it, earlier was we were amazed about the secrecy of the nominations and how they're not revealed for 50 years yeah just wondering like why why is it 50 years well because it is important for the um, committees when they ask external experts to get really truthful opinions and of course this could be positive as well as negative and it is important that people who are asked whether a certain scientist is worth the Nobel Prize can s- speak freely and okay. also be sure that this, his or her opinion is not uh, publicized, at least within a certain time period. And 50 years is sufficiently long that um, most people will feel comfortable with being very honest in their opinions. Okay. But still, we need to have some transparency. And uh, there are quite a lot of interest in um, uh, who, what was the discussions that led to the prices um, in the 60s, for instance, which is now open. Um, and uh, so we have to have some kind of insight into what was done, but after a very long time. Okay. The day this interview comes out, we think it's going to come out on the 10th of December, which is the Nobel Prize ceremony day. Uh, yes, that's right, isn't it, Ollie? I think. Um, yes. Do you have any involvement at the event? Is is it like you know I said earlier? Is it a bit like the Oscars? Is it there's some big fancy gala <laughs> and you know everyone turns up dressed up, paparazzi and all that? <laughs> well, it's it's a big event, I can say, and here in Sweden, it's really the party of the year. It starts in the wow. afternoon with. Um, a ceremony in the concert hall of Stockholm. I think it can seat around 1,500 people. And um, uh, the Nobel laureates get their awards then from the hands of the king. Um, mm-hmm. And there is an introductory speech by me. And then each prize is um, introduced by a member of the committee uh, who, who then describe uh, why the prize was given to this particular uh, laureate or laureates. Uh, and there is a lot of music and the, the whole thing is very stylish. Uh, and it broadcasts in Swedish television and possibly also in other countries. Then in the evening, starting at seven o'clock, there is a big banquet in the city hall of Stockholm, nice. which is a very nice building. And uh, to this event, maybe 1,300 people are invited. And uh, so there's a lot of people who would then uh, take part in this dinner, which is also televised in Sweden. It's a remarkable. Wow. Uh, and many people really look at it also. 
So I wouldn't think it's so much fun to sit and look, and, <laughs> and look for the whole evening on people eating. But what they do um, is that they interview people, laureates and other scientists uh, throughout the evenings. So it's not only looking at the people eating and commenting upon their, the dresses of the women. It's a little bit scientific as well, which is, um, I, I think, uh, uh, good. Now, I think we would fit in there, myself and Liam. If there's a spare couple of tickets, we're more than happy to come along and, and mingle. <laughs> I'll yeah. keep that in mind, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this year will be different. That is that is because of the corona. We have to make um, another arrangement this year. So there is no Nobel laureates coming to Stockholm because of the difficulties in traveling or the, the insecurity in oh, the whole wow. situation. Mm. So this year will be different. Last year it was also different, and last year it was really during the second wave, yes. and uh, impossible to do anything really. So then we had the ceremony only for a handful of people, and uh, and there was the same overall format with the welcome speech from me and from in, and introductions from for each crisis, and then television. Uh, or, or pictures from when they received their diploma and medals in their homes often or at the universities, depending on which country they were at. This year will be similar. Now we will have an audience, a small audience, maybe two or 300 people will be sitting in the city hall. And uh, there will be then similar format with the speeches and with uh, 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 films from uh, when the Nobel laureates get their medals and diplomas in their home countries. Oh, excellent. And so what I'm hearing from that is that we can't join you this year, but possibly next year. <laughs> <laughs> I keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there was some trivia that I'd read, and I just wondered if you could verify this. So we'd read that it is broadcast on TV and any of the, the winners' speeches, you need to submit them at least a day before so it can then be translated into Swedish. So it can then be broadcast. Is that right? It's true. Okay. With with regard to my own speech, I always speak English because I feel this as is important uh, as a gesture to the Nobel laureates in particular because they don't normally don't understand Swedish. But also, yeah. if it is uh, broadcast in other countries than Sweden, it would sort of make sense to speak a language which people understand. With regard to the presentation of each of the prizes. That can be done either in Swedish or English, and it varies. Okay. Uh, but in order to make it understandable, uh, it is translated into English. So that there is booklets available for those who attend so that okay. they understand. Okay. And um, the winners get an actual medal. Is that right? They, they, you know, they actually get... Like it is a thing that they get given along with, obviously. Absolutely. Some money, uh, they but. get a solid gold medal. Absolutely, yep. And the oh. diploma, which is a piece of art in itself. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were, we were reading about a few of the controversies. I don't know if that's the right word, if that's a bit of a stronger word, but just some of the, the observations that have been made that sometimes people try and use the Peace Prize for political purposes. I mean, is there a way yes. that you're able to try and try and stop that? It is true that the Peace Prize is very political and it is used yeah. uh, 
to honor people who has sort of uh, done important uh, things in order to promote peace. And uh, uh, of course, many of those are still active. And uh, it's very difficult to know what they intend to do after they did what they whatever they did to award the prize. Okay, yeah. And some yeah. of them go on to do things that are not so pleasant, and that creates, of course, a problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah Liam, you touched yeah, yeah, on that, didn't like you? That. You you touched on that on um on the main episode this week. Yeah, I I sort of mentioned, didn't I? How how you know one man's you know what. Although you're you're helping peace, maybe you know. Imagine you're a leader of a country. You're helping peace in one place, but perhaps maybe at war somewhere else, or or doing things somewhere else that you shouldn't be doing. And um, yeah, that must be very hard to to work out who to give it to. I guess. Well, it is true that um, I mean I, I think that let me stress again that the Nobel Prize committees put a lot of effort into making the right selections. And yes. they they normally do their jobs pretty well. And there is very few disputes. The, the decisions they make are generally well accepted. But after uh, people have got their Nobel Prizes, they, some of them go on to do other things which are maybe less uh, uh, appealing. Okay. And that is beyond the control of the Nobel com- committees, of course, and the, yeah, the, the, the awarding in- institutions. Um, is that why there's sometimes a lag between when somebody does their work and then when they get credited for it? Uh, that could be one reason why there is such a lag, particularly for the scientific prices. Because I think the um, prize awarding institutions want to be sure that whatever is claimed to be done is really true. And it's not involving fraud and it's also sort of um, becoming established in the field and uh, mistakes, you know, it's a danger to the reputation of the prize. So in order to avoid that, I think they sometimes play it safe. Okay. The the peace price uh, they are normally quicker, uh, and that uh, then the, of course the, the, this is more more risky. I, I I don't say that it is wrong to be to be swift. In in fact, Albert Nobel in his will said that the prize should be given to those who have um, uh, done important things the last year. Yes, but but immediately I mean even from. The first price is 120 years ago. The, they realized that this was impossible because it, it's simply undoable to 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 uh, select prize winners that did whatever they did so recently. Yeah. So now they have interpreted that to mean that uh, they give the award to people who have done discoveries or or, or that have uh, the, the the importance of which was sort of. Uh, Acknowledged during the coming the, the last year makes sense. Um, yeah, and the, and the only other thing we read about is how there's been more and more women winning prizes. You know, more recently, is that an active thing that you try and promote now <coughs> moving forward? Well, it's more complicated than that, I would say, because it's an embarrassment that so few women has been awarded Nobel prizes, but it is also very clear that uh, the committees try to select 
the best as their duty is according to the will of Alfred Nobel and yeah. they make no quotas for um, uh, women versus men or for geography or for anything else mm-hmm. uh, and um, yeah. part of the explanation why so few women has been awarded Nobel prizes is, is of course a lack uh, it takes a lot of time before uh, discovery is awarded and a uh, long time ago, there was a clear in- inequality in science in particular, okay. where men dominated. Yes, And we yes. still live with that to some extent. I'm not saying this explains the whole uh, situation. There is more to it. And I can assure you that we in the Nobel Foundation, in the board, and as well as in the committees and the institutions, are very, very well aware of this problem. And we are very anxious not to miss a Nobel Prize-worthy woman. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes complete sense, what you said there. Yeah, I can fully understand that. Just on yourself, Kelly, just wondering, do you personally have a standout or favourite laureate of your <laughs> own? Yeah, I, no, not really. I, I, I follow the... Um, decisions that they, the Nobel Prize awarding institutions make with a lot of interest and uh, I, I am as curious as anyone else of what, what uh, who they will select okay. every year um, of course I know people in my own field that I think would be worthy of a prize yeah. but I am also very much aware that there is so many excellent candidates so the, the, the likelihood that uh, that will happen is maybe not so high okay do you ever think, ah, oh, he should have won it and not them? Like, do you ever feel like you wanted to <laughs> say like, like? I think this is that? a crucial, crucial question, and I, I, the answer is no. I think the Nobel uh, awarding institutions really go through the prize area very carefully to select the one, two, or three persons that should be included in the prize. And very rarely are there um, different opinions. Of course, it can happen. Some uh, prize areas uh, involve more than three people. And sometimes there is a feeling that a fourth or fifth person are left out. Yeah. Um, okay. That is unfortunately a consequence of the limitation to a maximum of three people who yes. can share the prize. But I, in the cases I'm aware of, uh, the, I think the, uh, the committees and the, the institutions have really found the, the most worthy recipients. When so we we actually mentioned this in the podcast, obviously three people can win a prize or share a prize. Yeah, can they? Do all three of them have to have done the same thing, or within physics they could have found three brand new things each, and they all then win a prize for the thing they did? It should be connected somehow. Okay. So to, to, to take one example, this year the prize in physics uh, went to chaos, went to you know, the pe- three people who have studied um, uh, that kind of events. And two of them made um, theories and measurements which was very much related to climate and climate change and the effect of carbon dioxide extortions for the warming of the earth. The third one, uh, uh, an Italian scientist, he was a theoretical science and uh, simply studied chaos and theories around that. So they were working completely independently with different things, but it was connected. 
Right. Okay. okay. Wow. And I don't think they would ever give a price to two completely different things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I think probably just finally, what does the future hold for the Nobel Prize? Is there anything like <laughs> anything? I mean, is it? It's been going for 100, 120 years. Is it? Is it going to just keep going as it is? And we we touched on some possible other prizes. Or do you think it's just going to carry on and and be as it's always been? That is an excellent question. Um, I think we need to sort of be very careful to do whatever we can to um, make sure that the prestige of the prize remains and mm-hmm. are even yeah. firmer, more firmly established. As you know, there is competition. There are other prizes, some of them being bigger than the Nobel Prize. So we cannot be idle. We cannot expect that this fantastic interest in Nobel Prizes and Nobel Prize winners will uh, be there also in the future. So we have to work hard to make sure that that is the case. Um, I think the recipe for success is still the same. Careful work by the uh, committees who have the primary responsibility to select the uh, people to be awarded. And also the long tradition. I think that helps the Nobel Prize as well. There is, of course, also a little bit of importance with regard to the size of the prize. When the Nobel Prize started in uh, 1901, the uh, prize award was <clears throat> similar to 20 years of salary for a professor, <clears throat> which is a lot of money. And uh, at that time, it, this was considered to be something really spectacular. The price sum now is uh, a little bit less than a million pounds. Uh, and of course, we want to make that more. We want it to increase at least uh, in the same pace as the uh, salaries increases in the future. Yeah, okay. it, it should be substantial. I don't think that is of primary importance, but if the price became too, too small, it would sort of lose a little bit of its glamour. Okay. No, it's, yeah, for, for us, it's, it certainly, yeah, seems a very prestigious award to, for anybody to, to get. And yeah, amazing for anybody who has managed to, to be made a Nobel laureate. Um, thank you so much for taking the time, Cal, to talk with us. We really appreciated it. It's so interesting to hear that firsthand knowledge and just those type of things that we weren't able to find out with our own reading and research. We, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you for your interest. Thank you very much. It's really good. Thank you. Ollie, what did you think about chatting to the king of the Nobel Prize? <laughs> so he's the chairman of the board, <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah, incredible. It's so good. It's as I just said to Cow, it's the scratching beneath the surface of those of those things that you can't find out just by reading and researching. Like Cow obviously lives and breathes it. He knows what goes on. And yeah. it's so great to hear his opinions. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah no, exactly the same. He just talk about it all day long. And, you, you know, we say it loads of times, but you can just feel that passion for something that somebody yeah. does. And yeah. like we ask a question that would have taken us a little while to find out, but he knows it in an instant and can yes. just tell us it and and just sort of close that, that in mass, we call it close that knowledge gap. You know, we've got a little gap that we don't know the answer to and he just closes it for us. So uh, Trying to get all academic yeah. on me. Yeah, well, you know, I've got to if I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to do a thesis on something eventually. So 
when they start a Nobel Prize for maths. Um, but yeah, really, really, really good. We hope everyone listening has enjoyed that as much as myself and Liam did. If you have any questions that you would like us to to post to Cal, please let us know. Get in contact with us on social media at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We hope you've enjoyed it. Get out there and share some Nobel Prize knowledge. <laughs>